Well, thank you, Dave, uh, for those words of encouragement, for the scriptures you read, and for your wonderful prayer. Um, I, uh, I was just thinking about uh, this recording, and I thought how nice it might be for some of you um, who may not want to watch the whole thing or may not want to watch it all at once. Um, you could stop it, come back later after supper and watch the remainder of it. Uh, you could rewind something that you missed, uh, or you could fast forward it, um, or you could just stop it altogether and do something else. So uh, anyway, it, the, the technology allows you to do something you can't do when you're sitting at church on a Sunday morning. Um, and so anyway, good to be with you uh, using this technology. I had ended uh, the portion um, of my talk uh, by asking the question, is this the beginning of the end is life uh, of life as we know it um, on this planet? Um, is this the beginning of what the book of Revelation calls the great uh, tribulation? Uh, and there's a lot of fear right now. And for uh, many believers uh, as well, there's sort of maybe a sense of expectation and anticipation that the Lord's going to return, and He's going to usher in the new heavens and the new earth, and, and this is just uh, the prelude to that. Um, so what does the Bible have to say about that? Last Sunday, I was prepared to preach on Mark chapter 13, and I would invite you to open your Bibles right now to Mark chapter 13, uh, and, and you could follow along. Uh, but because of the cancellation of the service and all that, I, I never uh, got to that, um, and there was a lot of other things going on prior to uh, last weekend, um, and I actually was not ready uh, to bring that sermon. So I thought that I would do that today. So this will be uh, the sermon, the message that I believe the Lord has laid um, on my heart. We had planned some months ago uh, a series uh, that would go all the way through the season of Lent, up through Easter, ending on the day of Pentecost on May 31st. And this passage, Mark 13, was something that we had planned would be one of those messages. And so I'm going to do that today. Um, and so as we read in Mark chapter 13, um, and I'm just going to read you just the first part of this. It says here, as he, Jesus, was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, and now in this passage in verse 1, they were in Jerusalem, and uh, this is near the end of uh, Jesus' uh, journey uh, on earth. Uh, it's getting close to when he uh, will be uh, going to the cross. Um, it says, as he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And this disciple, this follower of Jesus, was really impressed with the architecture of, of, of the temple. And, um, and so Jesus said in response, do you see all of these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things happen? And they were asking, you know, he, Jesus said that um, not one stone of the temple would be left on another. Everyone would be thrown down. They wanted to know, when is this going to happen? When is this temple going to be destroyed? And what will be the sign that they are about to be fulfilled? And then Jesus launches into a discourse. And I just want to spend some time summarizing that 
right now. Many uh, people would look at uh, Jesus' discourse, uh, beginning at verse 5 of this passage, as uh, speaking about the, the end of the age, the end of the world, um, the great tribulation, and so on. Uh, is that in fact the case? The disciples said, what will be the sign? Well, as he often does, Jesus kind of deflects the question, um, and he doesn't answer the question, at least not directly. He tells them in verses 5 through 8 that difficult and confusing times will come. But then he says at the end of verse 7, but the end is still to come. And then at the end of verse 8, he says, these are the beginning of birth pains. And then in verses 9 through 13, Jesus tells them that his followers will be hated and persecuted and that this will provide an opportunity for them to be his witnesses. And then he encourages them with these words. He said, when you endure this, this persecution, he said, the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And what does Jesus mean in uh, verse 19 when he says, those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning and never to be equaled again. What does he mean by days of distress? And it's obviously obvious that these days of distress are apocalyptic in nature because Jesus goes on to say, if the Lord had not cut short those days, these days of distress, no one would survive. Because we know that these things are bound to happen in our world, Jesus says in verse 23, we know them ahead of time, we should not be caught off guard. He says, so be on your guard. He's saying to believers, we know these things now. He says, I've told you ahead of time, so don't be caught off guard like those who do not believe. And then verses 26 to 27, uh, he has a message of hope to the elect. And he says that he will gather his elect from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. The day will come when all of God's chosen people, all those who are Christ followers, will be gathered to him and we will be safely home. And then in verses 28 through 37, Jesus says, watch for the signs of the end. Watch for the signs of his coming again. Verse 19, he says, at that time, he says, during the days of distress, he said, it's during those days that he says the Son of Man, meaning himself, will be revealed in glory. That's verse 28. And so he says, when you see these things, great deception, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, persecution, disruption of relationships, betrayal, cosmic anomalies, and so on, he says, when you see these things happening, you know that it or he is near. But no one knows that day or hour. Verse 32. Jesus said that. No one knows the day or the hour. Not the angels in heaven, not even Jesus the Son. Only the Father knows exactly when these things will take place and when he will return. Therefore, he says, we must all be on guard and keep watch, verses 33 to 37. So there's two central themes that I want to draw out of this. And the first one is, 
He says, stand firm. It is those who stand firm to the end who will be saved and who will be safe. That's verse 13. What does it mean for you and I as believers to stand firm? Well, it means that we don't lose hope. We don't throw away our faith. And we don't give in to fear. Of course, we experience fear, but we face our fears with faith. We need to be faithful to the gospel right to the end and know that God is going to bring us safely home. I love what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 says. And I will read this to you. This is the uh, end of the passage or the, the chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, where uh, the Apostle Paul speaks about the resurrection of the dead. And he ends in verse 58 with these words, Therefore, stand firm. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Always. Even during a pandemic, we stand firm. Even when we can't leave our homes, we stand firm. And we give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And he says, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And so let's stand firm. And I ask you again, how can we be the church? How can we stand firm as First Church of the Nazarene here in the city of Calgary? And the second message I want to draw from Mark chapter 13 is to be vigilant. Jesus says in verses 32 to 36, and he makes it so clear that no one knows the day or the hour of his return. The Father himself knows the times and the seasons. Our Father in heaven is in control of human history and the fate of the universe itself. And so Jesus says, be on your guard against false prophets and false prophecies. He says that in verse 5 and verses 21 to 23. And so, like Jesus' disciples, we are by nature curious about timetables. We are. Uh, there are people at times like this, uh, when things like this happen globally, and there seems to be like a sea change going on around us, and everything uh, seems... Uh, like it's never going to be the same again. People, um, doomsday prophecies begin to arise. Um, and people say, this is the end. Um, and that's been the case for 2,000 years where people have said, this is it. This is it. Uh, and people will don themselves with white robes. They quit their jobs. They sell their homes. And they go up on a hill somewhere and wait for the Lord to return. And of course, so far it hasn't happened. I received a book back in the 1980s when I was a pastor in Drumheller, and uh, it was uh, given to me somewhere around 1983-84 by one of our parishioners, and this parishioner said to me, Pastor, you need to read this book, and you need to preach on this. And I looked at the title of the book, and some of you will chuckle when you hear it, 88 Reasons Why Christ Returns by 1988. And uh, I still... I've kept the book all these years because, uh, I, you know, on one hand, I find it amusing. I mean, there's a lot of sobering things in that book. But the thing that I, I find more than amusing, I find it disconcerting that we never seem to learn that we need to stop trying to predict the day 
uh, and the time and, and who is the Antichrist and, and all of that. Um, this is in the Father's hands. He knows. I came across this quote in a scholarly um, exegesis or article I read on Mark chapter 13 this week. And I'll, I'm quoting, All attempts by interpreters to figure out which of the events predicted in Mark chapter 13 are related to the destruction of the temple and which are related to the end of the age, he said all these attempts are doomed to failure. Because that's not really what Mark chapter 13 is all about. Um, Mark chapter 13 does address the issue of the destruction of the temple, which we know historically happened in A.D. 70. Uh, we also know that there's illusions there and there's statements there that speak about the end of the age. But it's hard to parse that out and figure out which is which. Um, Mark chapter 13 predicts a whole series of events that I've already spoken about in this message uh, that will take place after Jesus' life on earth is over, but before the end of the age. So here's just some things that we could take away from this. We need to watch for the signs of Jesus coming again. Verses 26 to 31, and then verses 36 to 37, repeatedly in these passages and throughout Mark 13, the message that comes through is we need to stand firm to the end, and we need to be vigilant. We need to keep watch. We need to be awake and alert to his coming. He is near. In all of this, he is near. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us on this journey. Someday, everything in this world as we know it will disappear. Not just the temple buildings that Jesus' disciples admired. Everything will disappear. I'm just going to read to you from 2 Peter chapter 3, this passage. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, and here's the message of hope, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Isn't that encouraging to hear those words? And so, yes, everything as we know it now will no longer exist. Even though we can read the signs of the times, as Mark 13 says, we don't know the exact date and time, but we do know that the return of Jesus is imminent. He will come like a thief in the night, night and, and some people will be caught unawares. And so he says, be on guard, be awake, be watchful. Be in a state of readiness at all times. I've heard people say things like, well, you know, we need to live as though Jesus was going to return today. 
But this doesn't mean that you're supposed to just disengage from everything in this world and wait passively on a hill for him to come. No, we need to go about our business as usual and live the kingdom lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us, but do it with the awareness that at any moment he could return and we need to be ready for his return. So go about your daily business keeping with the restrictions that have been um, uh, given to us during this pandemic. But do your best to go about your daily business, just as though today and tomorrow is going to be like yesterday. But do it with a sense of spiritual sobriety. Do it with an eye to eternity. I love Colossians chapter 3 at the very beginning. Since you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's a message of hope. And so we look not at the things that are seen around us, but at the things that are unseen, the eternal things. We fix our eyes on eternity in times like this because we know where our home is. And so we need to keep watch and we need to continue to ask ourselves, how can we at a time like this be the church? How can we be the church? I'm asking you, how can you be the church? Well, there's a variety of ways that we can do that, but the biggest thing right now is that we should not give in to fear. Fear is paralyzing. Vigilance is empowering. We need to pray. We need to pray for one another. We need to pray for uh, those who work in health services. We need to pray for our doctors and nurses. We need to pray for our politicians, that they will have wisdom uh, that comes from above. Uh, we need to offer to help others through simple messages of encouragement and comfort and through practical means as well. And going back to what I said earlier about the book of Acts and what they did, nobody among them was in need because they, people actually sold property and possessions and gave to those in need. A lot of us have means to help those who are suffering during this time, people who've lost jobs, people who've had their income rolled back. Uh, we, our housekeeper, we have somebody come in once a month uh, we can't afford to do this every week, but once a month we have somebody who comes in and does a thorough clean. She's canceled all of her appointments to clean homes, and that's her sole source of income. Um, so I'm asking, Lord, what do we need to help her to, to, to do to help her? Uh, how can we be the church? We know that we need to be generous and share what we have with others. And I'm going to ask you, to pray about that. This, this is the takeaway from this message. Um, so how can you help during this COVID-19 pandemic? Why not offer to pick, uh, pick things up for people who are self-isolating or who are quarantined uh, to do shopping, pick up groceries? Um, how about counseling and praying with those who are lonely, discouraged, and frightened? Uh, I've done this over the phone this week. Many of us, many of you have done this. We can use the telephone. We can use video conferencing. Um, we're going to ask some of you this week, if you'll volunteer, to become a caller in the telecare network that we're setting up. 
Uh, we're also going to ask you um, if you can help with uh, a call-in line, like a helpline, where people can go to our website and they can uh, click on a tab and uh, get a phone number uh, or an email address, and they can contact the church um, if they need immediate help or assistance or counsel. Uh, and maybe you could be one of those people, and so you'll be hearing from us. Um, you can find out who's been affected with loss of income. Be proactive about it. Um, be ready to help people in practical ways so that we do not love just in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth, as it says in 1 John chapter 3. And here's another way that you can help. Would you share your good news stories with us? Um, I've heard some already, but we want to capture these. Uh, could you send us an email or a text message uh, or a phone call would do and just say, here's a story that I would like to share. And maybe you could write it and then we could read it uh, in next week's recording. Uh, or maybe you would like to record it in your own voice. Uh, but we want to hear some stories. We need to encourage each other. So how can we be the church? Let's stand firm and let's keep watch for his return because we need to do that every day, every year, anyway. But we also need to keep watch over ourselves and all the flock of God, his church. I'm going to ask you uh, to be socially responsible during this pandemic uh, through thorough and frequent hand washing, uh, using hand sanitizer, uh, to practice social distancing, which they're saying is six feet, two meters. Um, do your best to do that when you're out and about. Uh, we are recommending that you avoid uh, having dinner uh, with people uh, outside of your home. Uh, we canceled uh, a dinner date with some friends of ours. Uh, they are neighbors of ours, um, and they're not believers, uh, as we are. Uh, and we were looking forward to this dinner, but we said we, we should postpone that. Um, we just think we need to be, uh, a part of our witness is to be socially responsible and to not try to second guess um, what the health authorities are telling us about social distancing. So uh, small groups and so on, we're just saying do it online, find some other ways of practicing, um, helping and encouraging one another and discipling one another. Uh, we are asking our life groups, continue to disciple each other. Uh, we can do this. Um, and we can do it without gathering together in homes. Um, Self-isolate if you're sick or showing symptoms. Quarantine yourself if you've returned from travel abroad. Uh, and use common sense and avoid foolish bravado where you might think that you're insulated and somehow immune from all of this. I spoke about that in last week's message to you. And so we're going to ask you to continue uh, to pray with us and be the church, I think this is an opportunity. It's a test, but it is an opportunity for us to find new ways of being the church. God bless you all this week, and stay safe. Some of you uh, may wonder how you can give your tithes and your offerings uh, during the shutdown. Of course, you know, we usually uh, meet on Sunday mornings, we pass the plates, and people put their offering in there. Um, we have had for some time electronic means um, and automatic withdrawal and, and various things. Uh, in last week's email that went out last Sunday, we did send out um, an email, and if you clicked on the link, it did give you some of the options um, for how you can give uh, to your church during this time. And I just want to say, uh, before I go into those various ways, uh, we know that 
many of you are struggling right now uh, financially. And um, we just, all we ask is that you're faithful uh, to what God tells you to do during this time. Uh, you need to take care of your, your family, yourself and your family right now. Uh, we want you to pay your bills. Um, and we want you to be a good witness uh, uh, to those whom you owe. Um, uh, but your church also does need your help. Uh, to date, in the first three Sundays of March, March 1, 8, and 15, uh, to date we know that we have received at least $20,000. Uh, I, I believe our uh, goal for the month of March is $35,000. Um, but we've received about $20,000 to date. Now, we had some envelopes come in the mail that have been unopened with offering in them, so uh, our counters are coming in on Monday, this Monday. Um, on the 23rd, and they're going to be counting. So we know that we have at least 20,000 so far. We have two Sundays to go. We do ask that you remember your church and do what you can um, to help us. You can mail or drop off envelopes uh, with, with a check, not cash, uh, and put it in the mailbox uh, by our office. There's a, our office door, which is about 50 feet to the right of our big glass, the big main doors, the glass doors, and there's a mailbox there, and you can put it in there. Um, and we will be collecting that. Um, you could also mail it in uh, to the church. Uh, and uh, there's a number of online options as well, which I'm, I'm not going to go into right now. Uh, that was sent out in an email last week, but we're going to resend that information about all the other electronic means that you can use to give. Uh, if you're unable to follow any of those options, would, I just ask that you would contact me personally or the church office and, uh, or email us, but f find a way to contact us, and we'll arrange to have somebody come by your place of residence, and we'll be happy to pick it up from you. Uh, so please let us know. Let's all stay in touch. If you know of anybody who's in need, who's uh, feeling isolated and afraid, uh, we're doing our best uh, to be aware of that, but please let us know. Uh, we need to know, and uh, you can help us just by alerting us and uh, we'll thank you for that. God bless you.